comforter tonight? Is he your king? Is he your all in all? I know that's what he is to me, and I find him to be faithful, and I find him to be true in every situation that I've ever faced. You know, before we go to word and before we go to prayer, I just, I'd like to take just a minute to say how much I appreciate the life of Brother Jerry Shaw. As a young man growing up in the church, I spent many a, many a nights in their home. And I don't think there's anybody, not that anybody would want to, but there's not anybody who could put a finger on his life. He was a Christian. He was a Christian through and through. And let me tell you what, at about 5.08 today, for the first time in a long time, he took a real deep breath. And he stepped across. Let me tell you something. He held on and he was healed. These all died in faith. But Brother Jerry right now is more alive than any of us. I can see him running on the hills of glory. And I just think we should give thanks for a life well lived. I think we should give thanks for a life dedicated to serving the Lord. To leading his family in all truth and all righteousness. I know he was a blessing to me and I know we're all going to miss him. And I pray that in the coming days we'll all remember his family. Because even though... He had suffered for a long time, and even though there, there's a joy in knowing where he's at, we know it's painful, and we know there'll be times of sorrow, and let's just keep them in prayer, but as we go to prayer now, let, let's lift up that family, and let's give thanks for that life, and what a blessing it was to us. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we love you, and we thank you, Lord God. Lord, we thank you that we see that the Holy Ghost works. We thank you that we see when a man dedicates his life to you, Lord God, and you take complete control, Lord, that, that nothing that comes on that man can turn him around. That nothing that comes on that man will make him give up hope and, and, and begin to doubt and wonder. But we saw a man who, even this Sunday, was asking Brother Tim, pray for me. I know I can be healed. Pray for me, to, Lord, and that I can recover and that the Lord will have his will in my life and Lord I thank you for that life I thank you that we see a testimony Lord God Lord that you still hold men and you still have men that are overcomers Lord Jesus and I thank you Lord God that that same Holy Ghost is available to each and every one of us here tonight Lord God it'll hold us in times of sickness it'll hold us in the time of trial it'll lift us up over every attack of the enemy and we will be victorious Lord for you said you heal all diseases you didn't say exactly when and you didn't say exactly where but we know that this afternoon our brother Jerry Shaw received the most complete healing he could possibly ever receive and we give thanks for that life Lord Lord and I pray that you'll comfort the family in this time Lord that in the coming days you'll be with his children you'll be with his wife sister Rachel Lord God you'll bring the comfort that only you can bring Lord Lord, our words can only do so much, Lord. Our, our, our humanity trying to bring things of comfort, but truly, Lord, you're the only one that can comfort in a time like this. Lord, so we give you, Lord, that family tonight. We lift them up into your hands, Lord, and I pray that you'll just wrap your arms around them tonight. Lord, and let them know how loved they are, not, Lord, not only by you, but by this church family here at Evening Light Tabernacle. May we show them the love, Lord God, Lord, the love of Christ living through us. Lord, now I pray as we turn our attention to the word tonight, Lord, you knew before the foundation of the world every soul that would gather under this roof. You knew the ones who wouldn't be able to make it, Lord God, and I pray you'll be with them and bless them. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that tonight the word will hit its mark, that it will go directly and speak directly to where you intended it to speak. I pray you'll grant it, Lord, that you'll remove me and my feebleness, Lord, my inabilities. Lord God, may I just get out the way and allow you to speak now and have your way. And we pray all these things, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
wonderful to be in the house of God tonight. It's wonderful to see each and every one of you. If you have your Bibles, if you will turn with me to Exodus 1 and 8. Exodus 1 and 8. We're going to read down through verse 11. It says, Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses. May the Lord add his blessings. You, you can be seated this evening. I find in, in life, and I think we all have found throughout our lives, that perspective is extremely important. Perspective this evening, the way we look at the passing of our brother Jerry Scholl, because of the perspective we have and because of the way we view things, we don't sorrow as those with no hope. That's what perspective does. It allows us to see things in a different light. Uh, perspective, like Brother Tim talks about many times when he tells that story of leaving Canada and he was, he was there looking at that mountain thinking of how it would be impossible for him and his feebleness to ever go over that mountain because it was so big, because it was so mighty. But from a different perspective, on the wings of an airplane looking down, that mountain was nothing as he flew right over the top of it, and it looked like just a little bitty hill down there. The mountain did not necessarily change in any way. Only his perspective changed. Only the way he viewed that mountain, only the position he was in to look down upon it had changed. So perspective in our lives is an extremely important thing, and it helps us when we have perspective to view our trials and view our tribulations. Because the Bible tells us to count these things all as joy. Now, when you're in the middle of that trial and you're in the middle of that hardship, it's extremely difficult to look at it and say, wow, this is joy. Wow, this is for my good. I've said many times, I just can't understand. I can't imagine how this is for my good. But when we have the right perspective and we view it through the word of God and recognize where it's coming from, that it's an attack of the enemy, and we recognize his tactics and what he's trying to do, and we have that perspective, it allows us to deal with it in an easier way. It allows us to go into a battle. In other words, if I know the enemy's battle plan, I know exactly what it is he's going to try to do, it makes it much easier for me to win that battle. It makes it much easier for me to withstand his attacks. There isn't a general in history that wouldn't have loved to have the battle plan of the enemy the day before it happened, to have the perspective of what are they looking at when they look over here at me. What are they looking when they see me and they see our trenches and they see our defenses? What is it that the enemy is thinking? So when you have that perspective, it can benefit us greatly. And so tonight, we're going to look from a different perspective. As we minister in our thought tonight, our title is on Through Pharaoh's Eyes. Through Pharaoh's Eyes. We're going to take a different perspective tonight and look at, thing, look at things through his eyes. See, one thing I want to establish tonight, if we don't get anything else from this service, I would love for us to establish that Satan is a liar and that God is faithful and true. If you can come to that revelation and that recognition, you say, well, we all know Satan's a liar. Well, we say that and yet we find ourselves believing him many times. 
You say, well, I know Satan's a liar. Then why, when he comes and tells you that you're unworthy, do you listen to him? If, if you know he's a liar, then why, when he comes and tells you you can't be healed, do we lend our ear to him? Or he tells you you're unworthy and you're not good enough. God doesn't want to save your kind. God doesn't want to save you. You've done too much. And we sit there and listen. But if we can ever get to that full place of revelation and recognition that everything he says is a lie, then it makes it so much easier not to lend any ear to him or listen to anything he says. And on the same side, on the, on the flip side of that, when we come to the true revelation that God cannot lie, that God is faithful, and we were reading the word that says, I will have a bride without spot or wrinkle. I will have those that overcome. By his stripes I am healed. Then it makes it much easier for us to look at it and go, well, that's me. He can't lie. He always tells the truth. So this must be speaking of me and what, I, and what I'm going to overcome and what I'm going to do in this age. So we've heard just recently our brother Timothy preaching that God was faithful and God was true. And just a couple scriptures to back this up. Revelation 3.14, it says, Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness. Revelations 19.11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. Revelations 21.5, and he said unto me, write these, write, for these words are true and faithful. Revelations 22.6, and he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. So what I'm trying to tell you tonight is anything God has spoken, you can rest your soul on it. Anything God has spoken, you can take it to the bank. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to worry. You know, sometimes we get messed up because we have a time frame as creatures of time. And we wonder, well, when, God? You said this and it hasn't happened yet. He didn't say when. He said, it will happen. If I gave you a promise, it will happen. If you'll just hold on to it, if you'll take it. And when he releases a word, it must come to pass. It cannot return unto him void. See, so, so if that were even a possibility that it could return unto him void, then the scriptures could not call him faithful and true because he couldn't be faithful and true as, as a God is faithful and true. Now, if it was even a possibility that he could have a word return unto him void or that he could possibly maybe forget to fulfill a promise, then he could only be faithful and true as men are faithful and true. In that I will always try to keep my word. I will always do my best to keep my word. But that doesn't mean that it will always come to pass. Because I am a human, I would never lie to you intentionally. But that does not mean that I could never fail you. Because as in this humanity, we are full of failure. In this humanity, we make mistakes. But with God, that's not even a possibility. Everything he says is yea and amen. Everything he has promised you will come to pass if you are willing to reach out and take a hold of it. Because you, as we know, have a part to play in this. This is why that, that the word can declare that he is faithful and true because there is zero chance, zero possibility that he can ever fail. This is why that our opinion of ourselves must be formed through the glasses or through the vision or the perspective of the word of God. Because in reality, the only opinion of me that matters is the opinion or the word of God, the promises written in right here. What he says I am, that's what I am. What he says I can have, that's what I can have. What, where he says I came from, that's where I came from. Satan has a lot to say about you. Satan likes to tell you you're no good, you're this, you're that, you're never going to make it, you were never with him. But the fact is, once we establish that he's a liar, his opinion no longer matters. His opinion of you has zero weight. So quit giving it an ear and recognize I need to view myself in the mirror of God's word because this is the only opinion that matters because it is faithful and it is the truth. Amen. So the only way Satan's word matters, and it can matter, is when we allow it to matter. 
The only way Satan's testimony can matter is when we allow it to become our testimony. When what Satan says about you, that you're lost, and you begin to say, I don't think I'm saved. Well, now it matters because you've taken yourself out of what God has said about you. You are making it matter. You're the one giving voice to what the enemy is saying. Don't let his lies become your confession tonight. Don't let what he has said about you become what you speak. Because he's the high priest of your confession. He can only do for you what you confess. When you confess you're healed, he can move and begin to heal you. When you confess I'm a son of God, then you can begin to operate in the realms that a son of God has the right to operate in. Do not allow him to change your confession tonight. Because everything that Satan does is with a purpose. Sometimes we just think he's the mean old devil and he's running around and he's just making this one sick and he's doing this and he's just tormenting my life. No, everything he does is with a purpose. He is not God, make no mistake about it, but he patterns everything he does and he copies everything he does after God. And everything that God does has a purpose. And so Satan in that pattern and in that copy and he moves and everything he does has a purpose and he has a plan and he imitates and he perverts everything that God does. So where God sends a truth to build up faith, then Satan sends a lie to bring doubt. Where, where God's word says you're healed, Satan comes behind it and says you're sick and you're never going to recover. Where God says I'm going to have a bride without spot or wrinkle, the devil comes in and goes, you could never be that part. Possibly if all things work out, maybe you could be a part of the tribulation saints, but you can never live up to that. So everything Satan does is with the purpose to counteract what God has already said to you. To move in a way to try to get you to doubt and view things from a different perspective other than what the word of God says. But why? What does he hope to accomplish through all this? Now, I'm going to read a very familiar quote, one that almost all of you could probably quote by heart out of the church age book. It says, now remember this, Christ in the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. But the book of Revelation shows how that the Antichrist spirit would come into the church and defile it, making it lukewarm, formal, and powerless. It exposes Satan, revealing his works. I'm going to skip just a little part, and it says, He fights that. He cannot stand it. Now, here's two words I want to focus on tonight. He knows. He knows. It says, he knows that if the people get the true revelation of the true church and what she is, what she stands for, what she can do, that she can do the greater works, she will be an invincible army. He goes on to say, yes, Satan hates revelation, but we love it. With true revelation in our lives, the gates of hell cannot prevail against us, but we will prevail over them. So such a key part of overcoming that we see is recognizing who you are. Such a key part of overcoming and gaining all the possessions that are rightfully yours is recognizing what belongs to you. And the devil knows that he must keep you from recognizing. It says he knows that if you get the revelation, he knows that you ever recognize who I am. He knows that if he ever, that if you ever get down deep in the word and goes, that's me, that's who I am. Then the gates of hell cannot stand before you. So he knows that he can't let you recognize I'm a son of God. God, Jesus came and died for me. He sent back the Holy Ghost for me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All these things that we seem so simple because we've been told our whole life and told our whole life. Satan goes, I can't let them really grasp it. I can't let them come to that revelation because he knows he will not stand a chance against you. 
And so what does he do? That's the purpose. Excuse me. That's the purpose of everything that he does. Listen, I love fighting an enemy that already knows he's defeated. I love fighting an enemy that's actually afraid of me, that is afraid of me. And yet somehow through it all, we've got it twisted to where we think, oh, no. Oh, no, the devil's big. The devil's scary. The devil can do all these things, and he has all this power. He has no power over you. He was stripped of all his power at Calvary, and all the redemptive power that was stripped of him, and and all the power that Adam had in the Garden of Eden, and everything that was ever meant for you has been put back into the church, put back into your hands, and you have all the power, and he knows he has to keep you from realizing that. He must keep you from recognizing because once you do, it's like having an atomic bomb in your hands. And he's like, what's the word say? It says, we're going to look over at him one day and go, is this the man? Is is this him? Because in that place, there'll be no doubts. There'll be no fears. You'll have perfect revelation and you'll recognize what he's trying to keep you from recognizing right now. That's all he is. This is it. And he's putting all these things on you in order to keep you from recognizing this. So this answers the question of why. Why is he in your ear constantly? Why is he always telling you you're not good enough? You're a failure. You can't be healed. You can't be saved. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is not for you. He has to stay there because he has to keep you from seeing who you are. He has to see you from seeing the rights that you possess in the power that you hold now. Not that you will have because I'm not going to need that power in the millennium. I need it now to defeat my enemy. So he's trying to get you to keep from recognizing now who you are because if he can get you to put it off a little bit longer, if he can get you to keep wondering just a little bit longer and doubting just a little bit longer, then he can survive a little bit longer. He knows that his Eden will end as soon as this bride completely tears his kingdom to the ground. He realizes that, and so he's trying to hold on to that Eden just a little bit longer. Nobody likes to give up power, and he's got this power, and he's trying to hang on to it. And the longer he can keep you wondering and doubting and not coming to the revelation of the power you hold and who you are, then he can stay in power just a little bit longer. But even that is a temporary victory. Because listen, there is no way, there is no devil, there is no how that he can all Always keep a son of God from recognizing who they are. They will come to the revelation of who they are. Brother Branham said a son of God can go a long time before they recognize they're a son of God, but they will recognize they're a son of God. So he cannot keep you down forever. He may hold you down in the mud for a little while. He may keep your children out there for a little while, but they will recognize who they are. They will come to their position. That's why we're still here. There's still some we're waiting on to recognize who they are and where they stand and what, where they're supposed to be. So even then, his victory is only temporary because everything that he says that you can't have is yours. Everything he says you can't have is yours. And so many times we just willingly accept that. Oh, my bad. Sorry, I asked. Now, if I'm standing up here and I'm holding your wallet and it has your paycheck in it, and you need it, and you're like, well, that's mine. I go, yeah, but you can't have it. No, but it's mine. It has my identification in there. It says it's mine. It tells me it's mine. The check has my name on it. And I went, so? I'm not giving it to you. How many of you go, okay, man, my bad? Not a one of you. Not a one of you. You'd be ready to fight, and I wouldn't blame you. You should be. But the problem is when we tell, when we come up and we say, that's my healing, that's my son, that's my daughter, that's my promise, and the devil goes, nah, I'm not giving it to you. My bad. 
No. Now, that's the time you go, well, if you're not going to give it to me, I'm going to draw my sword and I'm going to come take it from you because I have a promise. It's mine and I'm going to fight and I'm going to fight like Buddy Robinson said. I'll fight him till I don't have a tooth in my head. Then I'll gum him to death because I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to back down. There's no backup in the bride of Christ. There's no quit in the bride of Christ. None of us are going to quit until we take a rapture because that's the word that's been spoke over you is that you are going to take a rapture. That is complete and total absolute victory and we're not quitting anywhere short of absolute victory so tonight when he tells you you can't have it don't go okay that's when you draw your sword you go, okay you want to fight let's fight let's do this because i'm not afraid of you because there's a word that says that's mine that's mine and i have a right to have it one thing about a liar one thing about a liar is you don't have to listen to anything they say i don't believe once somebody has a reputation as a liar I don't believe when, when they talk to me. I don't believe them. I doubt them automatically. And we know that God is faithful and true and that Satan is a liar. So anytime there's a discrepancy in the report matched up against the word of God, I don't believe it. If there's any discrepancy at all, a discrepancy is a lack of compatibility between two or more facts. Okay, so Satan comes to me and he says, there's no hope for you. And I look over in Jeremiah and it says... For I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and hope. Well, I'm not the smartest guy, but that seems like a discrepancy. That seems like somebody's lying. We've established one is faithful and true. So one of those is a lie. There is hope for me. There is a future for me. The Lord has thoughts of me, and they're of peace, and they're of prosperity, and they're of overcoming. They're not of being pushed down and beat down and conquered by the enemy. His thoughts of me are thoughts of victory. Thoughts of overcoming, and I choose to accept that. Satan comes to me and he says, he says, well, you can't get well. But then 1 Peter 2.24 says, by whose stripes you were healed. Looks like a discrepancy. But, you know, Satan says your children can't be saved. They're too far gone. Too far gone. What's that even mean to God? They're too far gone. You know, it seems like somebody's sitting on the front row or somewhere in the church and, and they're lukewarm. or like, well, you know, there's hope for them. They're still coming to church. There's just as much hope for the person that hasn't set foot in church in 20 years as there is the backslider sitting on the back row. Because our God knows no limitations. His arm isn't too short. He can reach out and grab them. When it's their time, they will come to recognize who they are. Because the promise says that it's unto you and to your children and to them that are far off. He went ahead and put that in there for me and you. He put that in there so those of us that have, that have those loved ones way out there, there wouldn't be no need to fear. He already told us it's for the ones that are far off. So I'll just apply that promise to them and just wait for the manifestation of that promise to come to pass. John eight forty four, just driving this home that Satan is a liar. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him when he speaketh a lie he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it so we know that he can't tell us the truth i'm going to keep driving that home we know that he's a liar and yet he doesn't quit even though we recognize he constantly wars against us he constantly brings the battle to us and it's all to get your eyes the lies are to get your eyes off the truth the lies are to get you just looking around just a minute, just for a little bit, to get your eyes off the truth and the promises and the fact that they can't fail. And it's to get your eyes off them, to get their eyes off of what the Word says about you. 
Not just what it says about the church or what it says about Jesus or, or the preachers or the deacons, but what the word says about you and who you are and the power that you hold. Because Satan knows, don't forget, Satan knows. He knows you are more than a match for him in your position as the bride of Christ. Now, outside that position and outside of the word, we know you're no match for the devil. None of us are. But standing on this right here, standing on the promises of the word, standing where he placed me, I'm more than a match for the enemy. He cannot defeat me. As a matter of fact, I know this word right here. If I'm standing on, I will defeat him anywhere, any place, any time, under any circumstance. Because that's what this word does is it brings victory to our lives. It, it, it brings victory in every aspect and everything we face. But outside of that word, you know you're no match for him. But in that word, you're more than a match. And you say, oh, but Brother Aaron, the devil tells me he's going to destroy me. He, he says that he's brought down others that were way better Christians than I am. And, and I can't defeat him. And he makes my life so miserable. Every day it seems like it's a trial. Every day it seems like my, my, my lost loved ones get further and further away. Every day it seems like the promises are, are further and further away. And, and, and Brother Aaron, I'm struggling. And he's attacking me. He's constantly attacking me. Why am I under such attack? Because of how he sees you. Because of the threat he recognizes you to be. He cannot allow you to rise up and move freely and do everything that you want to do within yourself because of how he views you. Well, I thought he viewed us as just no good, weak, and, and, and sorry. No, that's what he tells you. That's not how he views you. Believing the word and what it says about you allows you to come to the revelation of who you are. And when you come to that revelation, we already read the quote, that's what allows you. That's what allows this church. That's what allows the bride around the world to become an invincible army. That's what allows you to step into that role as an invincible army. So he must keep you from the faith in your calling. He must say whatever is necessary. He must do whatever is necessary. He must put you through whatever is necessary, drag you through whatever situation he can to keep you from knowing what he already knows, that he is defeated. To keep you from knowing what he already knows, that he doesn't stand a chance. Because when you recognize that your enemy is weak, it builds your faith. When you recognize that your enemy is afraid of you, it builds your faith. You have no fear. I'm not worried about it. He's puny. He's weak. He's nobody. But he tries to get you to believe he's a giant. He's big. The walls are too tall. We're grasshoppers in their sight. And it causes you to leave the promised land. He don't want you to see that he's nothing, that he's defeated, that he's been defeated for 2,000 years. He's been cast down and he's under your feet. And if you recognize it and you grab it, it'll be your and he can't allow you to see that he can't allow you to recognize that he has to keep you from knowing what he already knows that he has no rights in your life listen church it's no wonder the devil's howling tonight it's no wonder that he's on the run tonight we have the devil's answer we have the power we have the victory we have everything we have need of matter of fact the brother Branham said that the rapture was in you now Everything you have need of is in you now. And he knows that he can't stop you from attaining all those things. If he says, I won't be healed, I know I'll be healed. If he says, I can't be saved, I know I'll be saved. I know I'll be delivered. I know the deaf will hear. I know the dumb will talk. And I know that the lame will walk. Why? Because the word of God says it wills. And I also know that the bride will rapture. 
That is a promise, and we're not going to stop short of that. Listen to, the, uh, to Brother Brown. He says, between you and I comes a dark shadow. I'm talking about Satan being a liar. It's shaking and jumping. There's only one thing that that can mean. That's a demon. That's a demon of nervousness. Is that right? You think sometimes that you've lost your mind. Isn't that right? But he's a liar. You're not. You're just as sane as anybody else. But he's trying to get you down, lady. Don't you pay no attention to that. He just said, don't pay no attention to that. He's a liar. You're just as sane as anybody else. The devil's nothing but a bluff anyhow, snorting, blowing all thunder and no lightning. But I tell you, brother, the lightning power of the resurrected Jesus Christ puts a reality there that shocks the soul from a dead slumber of these earthly bound things into the immortal realms to believe God, take him at his word. And call those things which are not as though they were. Amen. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, called out, set aside a church, bought and washed, ironed out without spot or wrinkle. That's what he's coming for. God help us to get our faith in the right place tonight. Move out on the battlegrounds there and say, Satan, you are a liar. Jesus Christ died to make me free and it's mine. Get out of here. Tell him tonight he's a liar. This all belongs to me. Get out of here. We got no need for you in this place. We got no use for you in this place. There's nobody here going to listen to you anymore because we're only going to hear what's spoken about us through the word of God. Get out of here. Satan, I love how Brother Branham says one place, Satan, how a liar you are. I tell him tonight, we recognize you're a liar. We recognize it's all a bluff and we will be victorious over you. He says in another place, come lady, do you believe with all your heart? Believe the son of God is here to make you whole. You believe that he has made you whole? What's your trouble? you got a dark hanging around you all the time. It's haunty feeling. It's nervous condition. That's due to the time of life you're living. The devil told you you was going to lose your mind. He's a liar. You're healed. Go off the platform. That was it. He's a liar. You're healed. Go off the platform. He's a liar. Your children will be saved. Go off the platform. He's a liar. You're going in a rapture. Go off the platform. He's a liar. You are a son of prosperity. Go off the platform. Whatever the promise you have need of is tonight, tell him I'm a liar. I claim it in Jesus name and walk out the church because it will be yours. I'm so thankful for a word. I'm so thankful for a prophet in this day that exposed the devil for who he really was. It showed us where his beginning was and showed us what his end was. And yet even still, he fights on. He fights on with his lies, with his fear, with his doubt, with his unbelief, never giving you a break, all to change your perspective. Perspective is so important. How are you viewing the promise? All to change your perspective, to hurt your attitude. Why your attitude? We were taught that the right mental attitude towards any promise of God will bring it to pass. The right mental attitude. Remember this and never forget it. The right mental attitude towards any promise of God will bring it to pass. The right mental attitude towards any promise of God. It doesn't take gifts of healing to heal sick people. Any person in here has a right to meet Satan anywhere if you're a Christian and defeat him on any grounds that he could ever stand on. He said at the beginning of the quote, remember this and never forget it. Church, remember this and never forget it. No matter your circumstance, no matter the trial, no matter where you find yourself tonight, the right mental attitude towards any promise of God will bring it to pass. 
The right mental attitude will bring it to pass. And, and, and so we find ourselves going, so what happened down in Egypt? Why all of a sudden did a people like the Israelites who had been blessed in that land, who were powerful, who were doing all things right, who had brought God's blessings on the place Egypt was flourishing. Matter of fact, if you do a little research, you'll find that the Israelites were, were very well liked. They were in positions of power. They had been placed in political positions. Uh, they were all throughout the government. I mean, they were just part of the society. But what changed? Something happened for Pharaoh to begin to enslave them, begin to push them down, begin to try to make them doubt, try to make them disbelieve. It says, Exodus 1-7, And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. Pharaoh recognized something. Uh-oh. Israel is mighty. Israel is a mighty country. And he looks around, he goes, as a matter of fact, they're more mighty than we are. They're more powerful than we are. What do we do about this situation? And he almost goes into a panic, and he calls his people together, and he says, he says I can't let them know how powerful they are. Exodus 1.9, he says, And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Wait a minute, I thought Pharaoh just thought they were mud daubers. I thought Pharaoh just thought they were no good, worthless Israelites and, and began to tell them you'll never go to a promised land. You're nothing but a slave. No, that's not what, how he viewed them. That's what he told them. He recognized the power that was in Israel. He recognized how mighty they are. He says, the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. I tell you tonight, in hell there is a devil who recognizes that you are more and mightier than we. You say, there's not more. I say there is because there's more for us than there are against us. We are more and we are mightier than he and he recognizes it and he wants to keep you from recognizing it. He recognizes I've got to do something. I've got to stop them from recognizing because they're more and they're mightier than we. And he says, he says, come quickly. We must deal wisely with them. We, mu we must deal wisely with them. Otherwise, that she's going to recognize it too. Israel's going to recognize how powerful she is. And then she's going to claim what's hers. I can't have her claiming what's hers because when she claims what's hers, then my Eden's going to come to an end. My kingdom's going to be cast down. When she recognizes what's hers, I'm not going to be in power anymore. They're going to recognize that I'm a bluff. They're going to recognize I have no power, and they're going to tear my kingdom to the ground. You are part of the ones living today that are anointed to tear Satan's kingdom down, and he knows it, and he's scared of you. Don't let him make you be afraid of him. He recognizes your power. He recognizes who you are, but he don't want you to know. Through Pharaoh's eyes, you are mighty. Through Pharaoh's eyes, you are powerful. And so he begins to work. Listen, they didn't wake up one day and go, oh, no, we're slaves. That's not how it worked. They began to do things little, subtly. He began to limit their movements. Tell them, you know what, this part of the town is really not for y'all. Y'all need to stay over in the Goshen area. That, really, that's all you need. You know what, you really don't need that much joy in church. You don't need that much shouting. It's okay, you can still go to church, 
But, but, but still, you don't need that much joy. Let, let's limit your movements a little bit. Let's, let's calm down a little bit. Let's just sit still. And then he began to make them work so hard that before long, he had the Israelites so busy, they had to work on Wednesday night. He had them so busy and so wound up doing the things they were doing. And the whole time behind their back, he's, he's making them a little bit of slaves without them even knowing it. And they're working on Wednesday nights. And then, to be subtle, he came in and he took a little bit of their joy away. And then he came from another side and he took a little bit of their peace. And then when he took that away, it made them begin to worry a little bit. And a little doubt crept in and they began to lose faith. And they began to forget who they were. They began to forget they were people of the promise. They began to forget that they were a covenant people. And, and then he says, you know, I'm going to limit your joy and I'm going to limit your peace. And he's okay with them still having a little bit of form of worship. He was okay with the stories about there was this promised land they were going to. That didn't bother him none, as long as they were stories. He didn't matter if they got together and kept some of their rituals, as long as it was just rituals. But he began to tighten down and squeeze down and limit, and limit the worship. And to where it eventually got to the point where they were so bound to where Pharaoh said, you don't have enough to do if you think you have time to go worship your God. You must be idle if you think you have time to go worship your God. And he begins to make them slaves. And he takes away their worship. And he beats them. And he pushes them down. And he works them. And he tells them repeatedly, you're slaves. You're no good. You're never going to be free. There's no such thing as the promised land. And where at first it was nibbles, now it's extreme. Now he's taking it all away. And he pushes their face down in the mud, never letting them rise up, never letting them remember who they were. I must not let them remember that they are a people of the promise. I cannot let them recognize who they are because they are more. And they are mightier than we. If they get a true revelation of what they are, of who they are, and what they stand for, he recognized that his kingdom was in trouble. He recognized if he could change their attitude towards the promise. If I can keep them from having the right mental attitude towards all those promises they were given. Some of them began to forget that there was a promise of a deliverer. Because their mind had drifted from the word. Their mind had drifted from the promise. And, 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 and so it's hard to have the right mental attitude. I think we can all attest when it feels like all hell is against you. It's hard to have the right mental attitude when, when you're down in the mud pits, working in the slime pits, when your children are being stolen away, and when your home is being torn apart. And all of it is when you have the perspective to recognize that it's the enemy trying to keep you from recognizing who you are and what belongs to you. And he's trying to keep your attitude in the wrong place. He's trying to keep your attitude wrong. So he creates a climate to where it's hard to survive on one income. He creates a climate to where it's hard to balance work and life and family and church. And he creates a climate where 77% of Americans suffer from stress issues. 77%. Where 76% of those who say they have stress issues say it all comes from work and money. 33% of Americans suffer extreme stress. One out of three suffer extreme stress, the type of stress that causes health issues, uh, your body to break down, your, your mental capacities to break down. One out of every three Americans suffers extreme stress. Everyone is irritable. Everyone is angry. Brother Brandon would call it a neurotic age. It's an angry age. Everybody's on edge. Everybody's in a hurry. Everybody's going here. Everybody's going there. We've got more convenience than we've ever had and less time than we've ever had. And then the little bit of free time you have, you squander it in front of a screen 
or, or a phone, and then at the end of the day, you lay down and you go, I had no time. And it's true. It seems like we didn't. But the time we do have, we squandered on things that are not fulfilling. And so you lay down at the end of the day, and you're completely unfulfilled. And you begin to forget who you are. You begin to forget because your mind is on building Pharaoh's treasure cities. Tomorrow i got to be at work at this time, and here's what i got to accomplish. Here's what I get done, and then when I get that done, i got to get home, and maybe i got to do this, and then i got to do that, and i got to do that, and i got to do this, and i got to do this, and your eyes not on the promise at all. Your eyes continually on, how am I going to make my bricks tomorrow? I don't have enough straw. Where am I going to gather the stubble? Where am I going to get the stubble? And you spend your life chasing stubble to make bricks because Satan has made it in such a way because he views you in a way that you threaten him and he is afraid of you and you're beat down constantly and your children are taken out into the world and sickness comes and stress comes and he says there's no rapture and he says you can't be healed your children won't be saved I'm never going to let you go and I say lies lies, lies, lies every last one of them are lies we've established he's a liar we've established that the word is the truth and he's trying to make you forget that you are the covenant people he's trying to make you forget that you are healed. He's trying to make you forget that you are saved and that you are going into rapture and that that bride will be without spot or wrinkle, which means you will be an overcomer. That is what the truth is. That is the only thing I want to hear tonight. That's the only thing I'm going to listen to tonight. The rest of it is lies, lies, and propaganda to get your mind off of what it is you're really supposed to be focused on. Every affliction, every battle is to keep you from rising up. Every one of it is a purpose to keep you held down, to keep you down in the mud and the muck. But he said, I have heard the cries of my people and I have come down to deliver them. And when he came down, he spoke a word. He spoke a word and he said, let my people go. Listen, once that word was spoken, there wasn't a Pharaoh. There wasn't an army. There wasn't a devil in hell that could keep it to come into pass. The more Pharaoh fought to keep them and the more he fought against the word of God, and the more he battled, all he did was destroy his own kingdom by fighting against it. And I'm telling you, there's been a word released over you tonight that says, I'm going to have a bride. She'll be spotless. She's anointed to tear Satan's kingdom down. She will rapture. She will overcome. Her children will be saved. Her families will be sealed. They will be healed. That word's been released, and there's not a devil in hell that can stop it tonight. There's nobody that can stop it. If you will walk in it, if you'll take it as your own, and if you will bring it to yourself. And so this is the truth. This is the truth because my God is faithful and my God is true. It didn't matter how much you tried to fight. Exodus 1.11 says, the more they afflicted them, oh, I love this, the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. I hope there's some devils in hell tonight grieved because of the people of Eden Light Tabernacle. No matter what I put on them, no matter what I do, no matter how many times I kick them down, they keep getting back up, and I kick him down, and he keeps getting back up, and I try to change his attitude, and he says, praise God, the word is for me. The promises are true, no matter what I do, and I'm grieved because of them. Those people get on my nerves. I don't like annoying people, I'll be honest with you. I hope I'm not annoying. (laughs) I don't like annoying people, but I don't mind annoying the devil. I, I don't mind annoying the devil and irritating him and getting him to the point where he just really despises me. To where I'm just like a big itch on his arm that he just can't, I'm about sick of this, I'm about sick of this, I'm tired of this. I, I want to I be a big bad itch on his arm that he just cannot get rid of, that he cannot tolerate, that no matter where he turns, I'm there going, the word is true. The word is true. I'm an overcomer. I'm a conqueror. 
Oh, the word is true anyway. I still love the Lord. I'm still going to defeat you. I'm still going to tear your kingdom down. And I want to irritate him to the point that he's about to pull his hair out and he hates me. And I feel like we got a group of people here tonight that the devil hates and that brings me joy. I'm happy to know I'm hated of the devil. I'm happy to know I'm on hell's most wanted list. That's fine with me because let the winds blow. Let the devil howl. Let him send the hounds of hell whatever he wants. I'm safe on the solid rock of Jesus Christ tonight. There's nothing that can move me. There's nothing that can move you you are safe tonight standing on the promises of God amen and now just as then there's been a word released over you what I love is his only weapon is a lie his only weapon is a lie you see him in the book of Revelation with his bow and he doesn't even have any arrows he literally has nothing to shoot at you All he has is a lie to try to get you not to shoot at him. His only defense is begging you not to shoot. That's what he has. That's all he has. And and, and the prophet said, look, lady, to me just a minute. You see that little lady sitting there with her handkerchief up to her mouth right there? She's praying. There stands that light. Don't you love that? There stands that light right there. She's praying because I see her at her home. She's suffering with a nervous condition. That's right, isn't it, lady? A mental distress. Satan trying to tell you that you're just about finished. Devil ever told any of y'all that? You're just about finished? Isn't that right? This lady has the same thing, but he's a liar. He's defeated. See how Satan tries to get away with his meanness? Oh, God. God God is more than a match for him on any ground. I say tonight, recognize who he is. Rise above the lies of Laodicea. Rise above the mud pits of Egypt and recognize that he knows you are mightier than he. He knows that you are stronger than he is. And those things that he's put in your life to bind you cannot hold you. He can't hold you and he knows it as long as you recognize. It's like Johnny Crow. We know the story. He was, he was tied to a string. There was a stake in the middle. And Johnny Crow would walk around that stake and walk around that stake. And he couldn't go nowhere because he was tied. But one day somebody came along and they cut that string and said, you can go now, Johnny Crow. But he'd been tied so long that he didn't know. And so he just kept walking in that same circle. He kept walking in that same circle. I'm telling you tonight that the blood of Jesus Christ cut the cord for you. You don't have to keep walking in that circle. You don't have to keep slaving away in the land of Egypt. Just walk out. You're free tonight. There's a promised land calling your name. And the one that called you out, the one that said, let my people go, that same word will carry you into the promised land if you'll just trust him and begin walking. Say, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm going to face. But your word said that to them that overcome. And I'm claiming that as one of my promises promises. I will be one of those seen in Revelation 3, sitting on the throne is hit with him because I'm an overcomer tonight. I recognize tonight that Satan's a liar and I am an overcomer. Recognize tonight that he has no arrows. He has no keys to death. He doesn't have the keys to hell. Listen, Satan is homeless. He doesn't even have the keys to his own home. The only place he seems to have a home sometimes in our head. And we let him stay there and we let him sit there and talk to us and we give him, kick him out of there too. Let's put him on the streets tonight. I don't have a problem putting the devil out on the streets tonight. I'm not that compassionate for that fella. I don't need to give him a home and a place to dwell. The keys to death are no longer his. His cells no longer have locks on the doors. If you're bound tonight in a, in, in a cell of hell and Satan has you bound, he says you can't be free, I'm telling you, the door is wide open. If you sit there, the deliverance has done been made. Bondage is now a choice. 
Bondage is now a choice. If you continue to sit there in bondage, it's because you have chosen to, because the locks have been broken off the doors. You're free tonight. You're free to go. You're free to serve God in victory. You're free to go to the promised land. You're free to take everything that's yours if you recognize I'm not a slave. I'm not who Satan says I am. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. And when you recognize that, you can walk right out of that cell, right to the promised land, right to a rapture, right into eternity. That's where I'm going. Amen. The word of God says, loose them and set them free. I love that. House of hell, give way in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, we must quit listening to reports that are contrary to the word of God. Because, see, that's exactly what Eve did. It's exactly, that's been the problem ever since the very beginning. Eve took something that reasonable Instead of taking what the word of God says, she didn't recognize the discrepancy. And every time we listen to those things, it brings a little bit of fear, a little bit of doubt, and a little bit of unbelief. And eventually that all adds up and leads to death. But listen, there is no victory anywhere outside of the word of God. There is no victory outside of this regardless of how good it sounds, regardless of how reasonable it sounds. Outside of this right here, there is nothing but death. But this is life. This is freedom, and and it'll defeat the devil's lies every time. But when you begin to listen to something on the outside of this, it makes it harder for you to have faith. Numbers 13, 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses. Now, we've got the children of Israel out of Egypt, and they're coming up to the promised land. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. I'm going to skip down to 1325. And they returned from searching the land after 40 days and showed them the fruit of the land. And surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. They, they list all, all the devils that they feel like they can't overcome. They come back and they say, well, we can't do this and we can't do that and we can't do this and we can't do that and we can't do this and we can't do that. And then it comes down to, to verse 30 and it says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are able to overcome it. I love Caleb. I want to be a Caleb tonight. He says, for we are able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Their report had discrepancies to the word of God. Their report did not line up with the word of God where Caleb's did. Verse 32, and they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched until the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants. They had great demons in Laodicea. They were big. The sons of Anak, which comes of the giants. And we were in their own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Here we are again with discrepancy. The report of the ten spies does not line up with what the word of the Lord says. But verse 2 said, Search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Now if you notice, it says right after that that they sent leaders to spy out the land. These were leaders. 
These were leaders that came back with this negative report. Daddies, be careful what your report of the promises are. Be careful what the report is that you say in your home. Be careful of the negativity you spew. Because of the leaders, because of the daddies, the children had to wander 40 more years in the wilderness. And, and I'm afraid tonight we got many people wandering in the wilderness, many children wandering in the wilderness because of the report of the leaders. Because of the negativity that comes in the home. Well, I don't know if about that. I'm not sure about that. I don't really like the way he said this. You know, that may not be exactly how it is. And they may not be di- directly just tearing things down, but they're planting seeds of doubt. They're planting seeds of negativity. And the Lord punished that and said, you're going to walk for 40 more years in the wilderness until this generation completely dies off. Be careful the reports of negativity that the leaders bring into the home. But Caleb, to me, is the perfect example of the right mental attitude that Brother Branham talked about. See, his focus in verse 2, his focus was on verse 2. So if you pull up verse 2 again, it says, which I give unto the children of Israel. Now, a lot happened between verse 2 and verse 30. Go on down to verse 30. He was in the land with the other spies. He saw the giants. He saw the cities. He saw all the horrible things. But nothing between verse 2 and verse 30 changed his perspective. See, we've been telling you that Satan brings these things and he brings these attacks to change your perspective and how you feel about the promises. But nothing changed his perspective between verse 2 and verse 30. In verse 30, he says, let's go up at once. Because his focus was not on verse 3 through verse 29. His focus was on verse 2, I have given you the land. I have given you the land. I have given you the land. I have given you your healing. I have given you your children. I have given you every promise in the book. I have given you Satan's kingdom to tear down. I have given you victory. I have given you this. I say, let's go up at once and take the land. Let's go up tonight and take the land. Why wait till tomorrow? I'm tired of wandering around in the wilderness. I say, let's go up at once and take the land. But the other said, no, 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 it's too big. It's too this. Because their eyes were no longer on the promise. Their eyes had got caught up in circumstance. Their eyes had got caught up in the tactic, of, the tactic of the enemy that tried to keep them from recognizing how powerful they were. His focus was on verse 2 and nothing could change his perspective. The struggle doesn't matter. The trials doesn't matter. The word says, I give you the victory. I give you the rapture. I give you the land. So that's all that matters. And that's what your focus has to be on tonight. And it doesn't matter what happens in between the giving of the promise and the receiving of the promise or the fulfillment thereof, I, uh, you know, he said, I'm going to take you out and I'm going to take you in. It didn't matter that there was a Red Sea. It didn't matter that there were serpents in the wilderness. None of those things in between matter. He said, I'm going to bring you out and I'm going to take you in. And we see in the Bible where he called and said, come out of her, my people. And you heard that call and you listened tonight and you came out. And he said, I'm also going to take you in. Now, he didn't tell us everything that was going to happen between when you came out and when you go in. But the word says he's going to take you in. And I say once again, let's go up at once. Let our attitude be, Lord, your promises are yea and your promises are amen. And I know it's going to come to pass. I know it's the truth. And that has to be our attitude, just like Caleb, our perspective cannot change he said the land which i have given thee and i say the healing which i have given thee the deliverance which i have given thee the peace which i have given thee it's all mine regardless of the circumstance there may be some tonight saying well we can't do it there's been some make themselves captains and go back to egypt some have turned around and said let's go back to egypt better to die there 
But I believe tonight I'm looking at a group of people that collectively tonight our attitude is let's go up at once. Let's go up at once and take the land. Listen, Caleb's report was with the word. Your report must be with the word. And, 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 so, and something influenced the other ten that didn't influence Caleb and Joshua. Something changed their perspective. So, something changed their opinion of themselves. Listen, these men weren't cowards. They spent 40 days on a covert operation deep in enemy territory. As leaders of, of, of the children of Israel, they weren't scared when they got there. They, they weren't cowards but they began listening to something other than what the promise said. And when you listen even for a minute, it allows it to have a foothold in your life. It allows it to start creeping in a little bit of doubt, a little bit of fear. And they begin to view themselves through the filter that wasn't the Word of God. What did I tell you? Our filter, the way we view ourselves, must come from this. The Word of God never said they were grasshoppers. The Word of God said it's your land. All you got to do is go take it. And if you're not careful, the lies of the enemy begin to wear you down. They begin to become your testimony. They begin to become your words. And, and you know, it actually happened to Israel in Egypt. They had been there so long. And they were told so much that Israel is the most powerful. Your God has abandoned you. There is no promised land. They were there for hundreds of years. That over time they forgot who they were. And the Bible tells us that many of them actually turned to idolatry. In the book of Ezekiel, in chapter 20, it talks about how he says, I, I, the Lord says, I almost just destroyed them there in Egypt because they wouldn't turn away from the idols of Egypt. Many of them had turned to idolatry and even forgot who they were and who they served and who their God was. And this is why we never look at symptoms. This is why we don't care what the pain is and what the sorrow is and the things that we're going through. There's a promise, and we can't get our eyes on those things or we forget the promise. This is why we don't entertain anything contrary to God's word because it begins to change our view of the promise of what we are and what God says about you. And so what happens? The walls look bigger than they really are. When you get your eyes off the promise, the walls begin to look taller than ever. And the enemy begins to look really, really big. And, and, and the promised land seems further away than ever. It seems so far away. And next thing you know, you're comparing yourself to a grasshopper. I, I'm nothing but a grasshopper. I can't defeat anybody. They're just going to step on me. Even their children can just come up and crush me. And I'm just a grasshopper. It's because you're not viewing yourself through the word anymore. And, and, and those promises, they, they belong to better Christians than me. They belong to people more dedicated than I am, and, and I'm not good enough, and all of it's a lie. Every last bit of it's a lie. And we're going to see in just a minute that the lie that the spies believed, it, it doesn't even match up with what the inhabitants of the land said. It didn't even come from the inhabitants of the land. It came from Satan planting those thoughts in their mind, putting those things in their mind, and they begin to dwell on it. They begin to think about it. Joshua 2.1, it says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim, Two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Now, what I loved about this when I read it, I said, Isn't that something? The first time they sent out 12 spies. And two had a positive report. And 10 had a negative report. And so Joshua said, Look, I ain't got time for all this negativity. We ain't sending 12. You 10 can stay home. I'm just sending two. Because all I need is a positive report. 
All I need is the positive report. He, he, he said, I'm not sending 12 again. I'm only sending two. All I need is positive. Listen, he said, I'm going to cut out all the voices of negativity. And I think it's time that we begin to cut out, even if it's our own voice, we begin to cut out the voices of negativity that surround us. The people that are surround us and the people that we conversate with and even ourselves, like I said, if it's always, well, I'm not sure we can do it. And I'm not sure about this. We need to cut that out and start saying the promises of God are yea and amen. If he promised it, I know it's true. If he promised it, I know it's going to happen. And cut out all the negativity around you and all the people look it's time some of those people are ready to make captains and go back to Egypt I don't need their report I don't need to know what they think about the message of the hour I know what I think about it I don't need to debate it with them I know what it's done in my life I don't need to argue the Bible with them I know it's the truth they can take their negativity and go back to Egypt if they like but all I need is the positive report all I need is the ones that say let's go up at once we are more than able to take the land and so Joshua cuts out all the negativity he cuts out the 10 spies and, and he says, all I want to know is the positive report. So he, sends, so he only sends these two and he says, Joshua cuts, cuts out the 10 and it says in Joshua 2.8, and before they were laid down, she came up, we're talking about Rahab, up, upon them upon the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. And that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Wait. No, see, they, they already went to this land once, and I heard the report. They said the walls were too tall, and the people were too strong, and we looked like grasshoppers. But now here we are at the city with the greatest walls, and I think she said, your terror is fallen upon us. And the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Wait, I thought we were grasshoppers in these people's sight. I thought through their eyes we were tiny and we couldn't overcome and we couldn't take the land. But when the truth comes out, hallelujah, when the truth comes out, we find out that it's them that's afraid of you. It's them that are shaking in their boots because they heard you're getting closer. I heard those people down in Evening Light Tabernacle are starting to believe. I heard they're starting to take the promise for themselves. I heard they're one step closer to the promised land. And terror is falling over the kingdom of hell because he knows you're fixing a terrorist kingdom down. And she said, we are afraid because of you. He's scared of you tonight. That's the report from the enemy. That's the report through their eyes. He said, because of you. And we see that Satan really sees when he looks at us. The lying devil's been saying, you ain't good enough. He's been saying, you ain't going to make it. He's been saying, you ain't strong enough, that you're going to fail. And yet when he gives his testimony, when he doesn't know you're listening, he says, I know that you are going to defeat me. I know that I can't stop you. I know that I can't hold you. He tried to hold Jesus down that day in the grave because he knew if Jesus came up, it would prove that everything the scriptures ever said about him were the truth. And he's trying to hold this bride down here in Laodicea because he knows when we go up, it's going to prove that everything this word ever said about me is the truth. I'm ready to prove it tonight that it's the truth. It's the truth because he can't hold me here. He can't hold us here. He can't hold us back. He says, I know the Lord gave you the victory. The terror of the Lord is upon us, and we faint because of you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the assignments being given out in hell? Okay, depression. Listen, I'm sending you down here. 
down the street to, to Jane Doe. Um, she's a little lady, lives over here, goes to such and such church. I want you to kind of ruin her life, okay? I want you to take away her joy. I want you to bring depression upon her, make her think nobody loves her. Just stay. Okay, yes, sir, I can do that. Heading down to Jane Doe's house. Okay, let's see who's next here. Fear. Come here, fear. Uh, let's see. I'm going to send you to Tim Pruitt's. <laughs> Wait, what? Tim Pruitt's house? No, you lost your mind. I ain't going down there. Uh uh-uh. uh. I ain't doing it. No, he's a preacher. He's this. He's that. Because see, sometimes we think it's just all the preachers. And they... so, so the devil says, All right, you big sissy. All right, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a, a lady. Let's see. Hmm. Let's see. All right, I got one for you. Okay. Okay. You're going down, and you're going to go down there, fear, and I want you to anoint Sister Atlanta Butts. Nope. I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. I'm not going down there. What? It's just a lady. He said, have you seen what she did to the last guy you sent down there? Have you seen what happened to him? She tore him up so bad we can't find a trace of him. We can't find him anywhere. He's been totally torn apart, totally torn up. I ain't going. I ain't going to do it. I can just imagine them trying to hand out the assignments. And he says, as a matter of fact, I don't want to go anywhere on any of them people from Evening Light Tabernacle because they know who they are and I can't stand before them. I can't stand before them. The gates of hell cannot prevail against you, but you will prevail against them. And he knows it. Hallelujah. I'm glad to know he knows. I'm glad to know he's afraid of me tonight. I'm glad to know he's afraid of you tonight. Hallelujah. Of course they don't tell you that they're afraid of you, but that's how they see you. You say, oh, not me. Surely not. Not me. Verse 10. Still in Joshua 2. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you came out of Egypt and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites... That were on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God... (laughs) He is God in heaven above, and He is God in earth beneath because of you because your God is the God of heaven above and the God of earth beneath oh hang on just a minute go back a verse it says we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea and I couldn't help it as I read it I heard them devils say we have heard how the Lord healed a brain bleed we have heard how the, de- how, the, how the Lord cured alopecia. We have heard how the devil has defeated cancer. We have heard how, how, excuse me, how the Lord has defeated cancer and how the Lord has healed kidneys and how the Lord has healed the lame and made them walk again. We have heard these things. Next. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts didn't melt. Our hearts didn't melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man. He doesn't want to fight you tonight. He doesn't want no part of you tonight. Because he recognized that the Lord, your God, is the God in heaven above. And he is the God in earth beneath. He is my God. He is almighty. He is the Lord of lords and he is the king of kings. And because of that, because he's my God, they are afraid of me. Hallelujah. And as soon as we heard these things, 
there remain no more courage in any man. <laughs> Listen, Satan says you can't have the land. We proved him wrong. He's a liar. The word says it's yours, and we proved him faithful. So I tell you tonight, even like Tabernacle, you cannot fail. I'm going to say it again. You cannot fail. You say, well, I don't know about that. I'll give you a quote for it. It says, listen, you are the covenant people of God. God tore Christ apart at Calvary, making the covenant, swearing by himself, and he took the body up into heaven, which will return someday. But the spirit he gave back to lead the church. The same life that was in Christ Jesus is in the church tonight by the Holy Ghost, doing and acting and performing the same things he did when he was here on the earth. You've received it. You've got the covenant. It's written to you, swore by God, you can't fail. That makes the devil mad. Sure does when you realize who you are. You can't fail tonight. But God made the covenant unconditionally, and he hooked it into Christ Jesus. There it's anchored. There's no slipping and sliding. There's no way of getting away. What is it? It's hooked by God above and by the Son of God beneath. What is it? It's a pathway. It's a traveler's way from earth to glory, and you can't fail. Look, there's great companies of angels up and down here, ascending and descending, picking up the weary and the sick, healing their bodies and showing visions and mighty signs and wonders. Can't fail, can't slip, can't slide. You're safe. God said so. That settles it forever. Amen. He says you can't fail tonight. So when the devil comes and says you can't make it, you say, I can't help but make it. I can't fail. I can't do nothing but overcome. It's who I am. It's who my God is because he is the God in heaven above and he is the God in earth below. I can't fail. Church, recognize tonight. Not everything he has told you is a lie. Everything he has told you, and you are who the word says you are. You are an invincible army. You are an invincible army. You are that spotless bride. You have been spoken of in Revelation 3. That's you that's going to be granted to sit with him. And it does my heart good. Listen, it builds me up. It gives me faith to recognize that my enemy is afraid of me. It gives me faith to know that, that when he wakes up in the morning... When I open my eyes in the morning, excuse me, that he begins to tremble. Listen, all he is is a bluff. And maybe, maybe many of you ha- haven't never seen uh, bullies and the way they operate. But being a middle school teacher, what it is, guys that are bullies and bluffs, they yell the loudest. They scream the most. They're the quickest to run up in somebody's face with their fist balled up like they're going to do something. And their whole goal is, if I act bad enough... If I act mean enough, if I yell enough, if I threaten enough, this guy won't want to fight me. If I scare him, he won't want to fight me. But what I have found is that the last thing that bully really wants to do is fight. His whole goal is to disarm you. And I can't help it. I probably shouldn't say this, but I get so tired of seeing those bullies push those kids around, push them around. And then one day there's that little quiet kid that just sits there and he don't say nothing. And he's getting yelled at, and he's getting screamed at, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And he just goes, bam! And the bully's on the ground, oh, he hit me, and I said, good! What'd you expect him to do? 
And I'm telling you tonight, when he's sitting there telling you, I'm going to take you down to hell, you can't do nothing, you're no good, you're worth it, bam, right in the face. The Lord, the Lord God healeth all my diseases. Bam, I will have a bride without spot or wrinkle. Bam, I will have everything that the word promised me. I'm going through Jesus, I'm going through, bam, bam, double combo. I'm going into rapture, hallelujah. Hit him one time tonight. Quit letting him bully you. Quit letting him push you around. His only weapon is to keep you from fighting. His only weapon is to make you go, I'm sorry, and get afraid. He has nothing. Give him a bam tonight. Hit him one time. Look in Gideon 7, and we're getting close to closing this. We know the story. Gideon's about to go into battle And the Lord tells him he has too many men. Speaking of perspective, his army consisted of 32,000, which was a small army in comparison to what the the, the Midianites had brought into the field. And Gideon was already thinking, I ain't got enough. And then God comes to to him and says, you got too many. And we know the story, how he ends up dwindling them down in different ways until he ends up with just 300. And God says, okay, now this I can work with. You talk about a God whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You talk about a God who has a different perspective than what we do. And think about it for for just a minute. Judges 7, 9, and it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host. For I have delivered it into thine hand. Now, notice, victory is already assured. It's already promised. You go, how can they mess this up? Well, Israel kind of has a track record of messing things up when the Lord's already given it to them. Okay? So just because it's assured doesn't mean they're going to take it. So victory is already assured. But if you remember in Numbers 13, it said, Send thou men that they may search the land that I've already given unto you. And they didn't take it. They had to wander 40 more years before they conquered it. So just because he had delivered the host unto them didn't mean they were quite ready to take it just yet. Now, it was theirs for the taking if they were willing to do it. Okay? See, the, the promise is true. That promise of the land was true when the spies gave a negative report. Just because they didn't take the promise didn't make the promise not true. Just because they didn't reach out and take it doesn't mean it's not true. Just because you can't claim your healing and stand on it doesn't mean that the healing wasn't true. It was true. It was yours. Okay, the promise is always true. So, so God tells Gideon, I have delivered the host into your hand, just as he had promised you a land tonight, just as he has promised you victory tonight. But Gideon has kind of showed a propensity in these first few scriptures to need a little bit more extra reassurance. Okay, and, and I can kind of relate to Gideon. I, I can be this way sometimes myself. But the Lord calls him and talks to him face to face and tells him all these wonderful things. And Gideon goes, okay, Lord, but if it's really you, I'm going to need a sign. And so the Lord performs a miraculous sign for him. And then, and then later he comes back and the Lord tells him some things to do. And he says, Lord, if it's really you, I'm going to lay a fleece out before you. And then the Lord does exactly what he asked. He, okay, Lord, wait, don't be mad. Please don't be mad. But if you really want me to, and it's just constant. He's just needing a little bit more reassurance. He's just, I'm going to lay the fleece, and I want you to do just the opposite. Let everything be wet around, and the fleece be dry, and then I want the fleece to be wet and everything around it dry. So he needs all this reassurance. Uh, but if this is really you, show me a sign. But the Lord knows what each one of us needs. He knows the things that strengthen us. And he knows that recognizing that the enemy thinks you're strong will strengthen you. 
It's scriptural. He says so to Gideon here in a minute. Judges 7.10. But if thou fear to go down, go with Fura, thy servant, down to the host. And thou shalt hear what they say, and afterwards shall thy hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. In other words, what this means is your faith is going to be lifted up to do what it is I've told you to do when you hear what it is the enemy is saying about you. When you know how the enemy feels about you, it's going to make you more confident to go into battle. How they really feel, not how they tell you they feel, but how they really feel. Judges seven twelve, And the Midianites and the Amalekites... And all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. And their camels were without number as the sand by the sea side for multitude. Now, I know it's just a numerical expression. But, but I can't help but love how the Lord describes them as grasshoppers. He, he turns right around with the description that they had used of themselves. Notice he could have used anything to, to say number. He could have said they're like angry hornets for, for a number. He says, no, they're like grasshoppers. So he takes the very thing that he had made the spies believe about themselves, and he uses that to describe the enemy. My point is this. Yes, that means there was a lot of them, grasshoppers. It means there's a lot. I don't care how many grasshoppers are in that pasture out there. I've never been intimidated to walk through it. Okay, grasshoppers don't intimidate people. So the Lord uses this expression. He says, their number is, is, is like the grasshoppers. And he says, and their, camel, their camels are without number. And so he turns the tables on how Satan made the spies feel about themselves earlier. So, so the scripture says, they're like grasshoppers. Now, how would the enemy love to come to you? Now, think about Gideon. He's got 300. Tonight, we may be 115, 125. I don't know how to guess the crowd. I don't I, we're not, we're, we're not 300, I'll tell you that. And how the enemy would love to look at you and go, you're just a few hundred people. Get in, you only, you only have 300. Have you not, did you not hear the number of demons that was released out of the river Euphrates? Do you not know how big our army is? I mean, we're like grasshoppers. You, you can't even number us. And the beast we ride upon is like the, the sand by the seashore. And you're just a few hundred people. What do you hope to accomplish? We're going to absolutely destroy you. We're going to absolutely crush you. And the Lord says, that's okay, Evening Light Tabernacle. Slip on down there tonight when they don't know you're there. And listen to what all them demons from the river Euphrates are really saying about you when they don't know you're listening. Slip on down outside the tent tonight and hear what they're saying. So verse 13, And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow, and he said, Behold, I dream a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came into a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay along. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. What? I can see him tonight sitting in their tent. What was that dream again? Wait, you saw that? And the modesty and holiness and, and, and walking without reproach with the gifts of God, manifestations of the Spirit. I know exactly what that is. That's the sword of evening light tabernacle. 
That's Evening Light Tabernacle, and that's those people coming to tear our kingdom down. That's exactly who that is. And it says, in the next verse, give me the next verse. And it says, and it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, that he worshipped and returned unto the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered your hand, the host of Midian. I'm telling you tonight, when you hear what the enemy's saying about you, it's easy to worship. It's easy to rise to your feet and say, I will not be denied. I will not be stopped. I will not be conquered. I know they're afraid of me. I know they're scared of me. They don't want any part of me because the Lord has delivered all of them into my hands. He's delivered them into your hands tonight. He's delivered everything, every promise that you have need of. It's in your hands tonight if you'll just take it and grab hold of it. Amen. When you recognize that your enemy recognizes. I like that. When you recognize that your enemy recognizes that they are defeated. When you recognize that your mountain already knows it has to move, it's just waiting to hear you speak. Your mountain already knows it has to move. It's just waiting on you to tell it. It it, it will make you worship. It'll make you rejoice to recognize you are victorious and they are defeated. And not only do I know it, they know it. And by the testimony of their own mouth, they are scared of you tonight. By the testimony of their own mouth, they recognize they cannot hold you. They cannot defeat you. They cannot do anything to you. The more they try to stop you, the more they bring plagues upon their own kingdom. Take take us back to Exodus 1 real quick. Take us back to Exodus 1 as we close this down. Why does he bring so much doubt upon the message? Why does he bring so much doubt upon the supernatural? Why does he bring so much doubt? Because it's the thing that turns your heart back to faith. It's the thing that makes you recognize who you are. It's the thing that makes you recognize that it says in the book of Acts that the time of the promise is drawing nigh. So he brings doubt upon it to keep you from recognizing who you are. He does everything like Pharaoh. He suppresses you. He beats you down. He kills, he lies because he doesn't want you to increase. See, he knows that God's the same in 2018 as he ever was. But he's trying to keep you from knowing it. See, he recognizes that you're a called out, chosen people. But he's trying to keep you from knowing it. I want to tell something to the devil tonight. Too late. We know tonight. Evening Light Tabernacle knows who they are. Evening Light Tabernacle knows where they stand. And I'm telling you, the more he presses us down, the more we're going to multiply. The more he puts trials upon us, the more we are going to prosper. And the more he says we can't have it, knowing that he is a liar and that my God is faithful and true, the more my faith raises up to say I will have every promise in the book that belongs to me. It says, and the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mightily. And the land was filled with them. Let me see what verse I want. It's in here somewhere. Verse 10, please. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there falleth out a war, they join unto our enemies. In other words, if they know who they are and they know how strong they are, Whenever the devil comes and he attacks our brother Andrew and he's wearing him down, he's afraid that one of us will join in the fight. He's afraid that we'll as a church will bind together and begin to fight against him and begin to overthrow him and begin to stand up one for another because we recognize who we are. We recognize not only are we our army, but we're a family. And he says, and they will fight against us. And so get them up out the land. His greatest fear 
Everything he did, every trial he put the people through, every whipping he gave them, every child that was stolen, everything he did was because he was afraid that Israel was going to get them up out the land. Let's tell the devil tonight, I don't care what you do. One of these mornings between six and nine, I'm telling you, I'm about to get up out the land. I don't care how much he presses me down, how much he pushes me down. He can't stop me from going home because there has been a word spoken over me. Just as the word said, let my people go. He has said once again today, let my people go. There's a word that cries out on your behalf. Every strike cries out against the demons of sickness and says, let them go. Every drop that fell from his body on Calvary. He says, let them go. They're free. And the message of the hour came today. The word was opened up and said, let them go. There's a rapture for the people. And I don't care what he does. Evening Light Tabernacle, we're about to get up out the land. We're going home. The word said, when the others went down, we went up. When the others went down, he saw the bride go up. That's the word for you. That's the word for me. And the devil knows it. And he can't stand it. But we love it. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me end this with this one quote. Just remember this one thing from now on. These records are facts. And this is a fact. Satan is a liar and the father of lies. And whenever he comes with any light, it's still a lie. He cannot tell you the truth. He cannot tell you that he sees you as an overcomer. But I'll tell you what does. This word tells you you're an overcomer. This word tells you you can make it. This word tells you press on. Press on. Because the more we get pressed down, we know the promised land. The fulfillment of every promise ever given to the bride of Christ is just around the bend. Run tonight with all you are. Run tonight and recognize that every enemy between you and the finish line is scared of you. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's raise our feet and praise the Lord tonight for all that he's done in our life, for all that he's done for me, for all that he's done for you, for every promise that he's fulfilled. Let's just give him praise. Now, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to lift our voices tonight and tell you that we love you. We want to lift our voice tonight and tell you how much we appreciate all you've done, Lord. Lord, that your word, Lord, identifies the enemy. It identifies the devil. It tells us who he is. It tells us exactly what his beginning is and what his end is. And more importantly, Lord, it tells us who we are. It tells us what our rights are. It tells us where we came from, and it tells us where we're going. And Lord God, I'm so thankful that soon and very soon, the Lamb is going to take his bride to be ever at his side. Lord, that's my testimony tonight. That's what I'm holding on to. Lord, I know that the enemy is afraid of me because of who my God is. For you are the God of heaven above, and you are the God of earth below. And I'm so thankful to know tonight, Lord, that you were with us because you promised you would never leave us. You would never forsake sake us. And Lord God, we just want to tell you that we love you and we're so thankful, Lord God, for all you've done. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the wonderful message that you've sent us in this day, Lord God, and the word that's been opened to our hearts. Lord, that we can serve you in spirit. We can serve you in truth and we can serve you in a confidence knowing, Lord, that you are true and you are faithful. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. When pains of death seized on me.